All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of Home and Commercial Services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're... you're you're doing it wrong. Like you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to obviously his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at Holland hcs.com you can look up holland home and commercial services on instagram for daily tips and more or you can check out their website hollandhcs.com we have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS, T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Or you can always call me and I'll cook for them. It's, it really, it's a it's a great way to love people. That journey started early in his beloved granny's kitchen. She was the one that, you know, was always cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She was a Southern belle. She made everything taste good, and I didn't always, sorry, Mom, get that at home. <laughs> but uh, granny taught me how to cook, and 
I've never looked back from that. James is a Fox 6 Good Day Alabama monthly contributor. It's one of the honors of my life. I love cooking on TV. I love hearing the feedback. I love going in there and having people email me and ask questions. It's just, it's fun. And his peanut butter cobbler recipe was featured on the Food Network show Carnival Eats. That was kind of a big deal. I mean, it was a... I don't like I got paid for it, but it was a lot of exposure and it was really fun. Head over to chefjameskjones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. CrossFit Mophobia is owned and operated by Hayden Setzer. Hayden has a degree in exercise science and wellness with a minor in coaching. She is CrossFit Level 2 certified and Precision Nutrition Certified. CrossFit Mophobia is located at 222 Decatur Highway in Gardendale, Alabama. Email CrossFitMophobiaInfo at gmail.com or call or text 256-303-1873. Or you can look up everything she does on Facebook and Instagram. CrossFit Mophobia. Hey guys, Team Jones here. With ads. But if you don't like ads, you can download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions, but all levels have this one cool feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms, and they are completely free from ads. Straight out of Prison Podcast, the For Real Real, and Narrowing the Gap. But there's way more to it than that. There's a specialized feed that comes for all subscribers. Peek behind the scenes, live stream question and answers. Recipes and cooking videos by me, of course. You'll get unpublished episodes, unedited episodes, blooper reels, which are amazing, exclusive bonus content, downloads, and more. Or head over to teamjones.co slash podcast and click on the Become a patron button. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the join forces button. We will get in touch and consider whether or not it's a good fit. Schedule us for your podcast or become a guest with us on the For Real Real or Narrowing the Gap. Contact us by heading over to teamjones.co and click the join forces button. Or to schedule us for a speaking event, contact us on our website by clicking the join forces button. We also want you to know about the Team Jones workshops for your business or organization. They're customized for your teams. They're led by myself and my beautiful wife, and we'll even provide lunch. Go to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. Finally, the newest part of Team Jones is what we're calling the OPP package. OPP stands for Other People's Podcast. We will tell your story and sing your song. About your business, organization, community, family, or whatever story you wish to share with the world. And the best part is that it will belong to you. We will research, write, produce, record, edit, and present you with the finished product. It will be your own tool for marketing, building your brand, or just to get your story out there to the world. Bottom line, stories are powerful. They are. And not just our story, Mm -hmm. but your story. So we are very passionate and very excited about this project of getting the opportunity to tell whatever it is that you are passionate about. We want to hear it and we want to tell it. Head over to teamjones.co and click the join forces button and we will respond promptly. Please support our sponsors because they help us provide this platform for free. Thank you guys for your support and thanks for being a part of our story. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Straight Out of Prison podcast. My name is James K. Jones, and this is my story. 
And this is Haley Jones, and this is his story that has now become a part of my story. So the stories are starting to intersect. They're and starting to intersect. <laughs> At least we're in the same time zone and yeah. the same state. We're yes. almost in the same city because the time living in Gardendale, your parents were in Gardendale, but... I was looking at opening a restaurant in Gardendale right. at that time, but we'll talk about that another time. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about, this is your time, girlfriend. It's the Haley Show today. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. This always takes me back to when we first started. I think we had recorded maybe three or four episodes, and I got a message from a guy that somehow got my cell phone number, and he wanted to be on the podcast. And I said, we're going to do other people's stories, but we're going to finish ours first. And he said, well... I'm just trying to wonder when's her story going to be your story. I'm trying to wonder. Don't make no sense. So, so you just stay tuned, bro. You'll see. Just stay tuned. So. It's so funny because I knew we were going to come down here and it was going to be today is my portion of the story more or less after yeah. I moved to Alabama. And it is a lot easier for me to come down here and record when we're just, when I'm asking you questions. Because <laughs> I don't have to think yeah. about it. Like I, I listen to what you're saying. A lot of it or. Uh, some of it questions. I've never heard before. Asking questions is my jam. I, I come up with them easily, quickly. Well, but I don't have to questions. remember anything. Yes, great questions, and you draw things out of me that probably, especially the first episode, that never would have got taped if you had enough. Yeah. Well, how do we do that? Well, how did you do that? Well, thank you. But when the tables are turned, my memory is not nearly as good as yours. No. And so. And you um, get a little more self conscious, I think. I do, actually. It is a lot easier for me to talk about you and your story. <laughs> it reminds me, guys, we had a, a a business meeting six or seven months back, and Haley always has, like, fresh flowers on the table. And one of the ladies that we invited does uh, wedding events where she does, like, these crazy, amazing flowers. And I remember when she sat down in front of the flowers, you, like, reached over there, and you're like, this is just a little something I threw together from Publix. And you, like, moved it out of the way, almost like you didn't want to be, you didn't want your flowers being judged. Well, I mean, I'm a three on the Enneagram. We talk about this at nauseum. So I'm an achiever. I like whatever I'm doing to be not necessarily perfect, but better than everybody else. It was just cute the way you took your flowers and like eased them out. Like, let's just move this public sponge out. But even though I actually was very proud of that, I thought it looked really good. It did. But, you know, I wasn't, when I did it, I wasn't looking at it and from the lens of, oh, a real like Flores. rock star yeah. flower person is going to come in here. And, and she <laughs> is. She does amazing things yeah. with flowers. But. So, um, so yeah, so here we you want to you want to lead us into it? Well, uh, in the last episode, we talked about you know my little brief encounter with being engaged to Karina, Karina, and how that worked out. I found my brother. Things were the stage was being set, and yeah. it was about that time that I got to a place where I knew that I had to expand Kairos because I'd gone as far as I could go in the location that we were in, and I put out a Facebook message if. Kairos were to open a second location where we could do dinner. Would we want to go source? Source. Would we want to go north, south, east, or west? Because you know Birmingham's a big area. You know we could go north, Gardendale, Fultondale. We go south, Alabaster, uh, Pelham. Uh, we could go east. You know, go towards Trustful. We could go west towards like Bessemer and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I put that out, and I got. I think it was nine hundred percent. Uptick in my oh your Facebook the feed the stats that, that one thing it was yeah it was nine hundred percent nine hundred forty eight percent engagement yeah. 
in the one night, and it was all for Gardendale, Alabama. Like they, the people here wanted to come to come to Gardendale. But we'll get into that in another episode. But about the same time as when you were coming to Gardendale. Yes. So it's kind of neat the way our stories were parallel but different still. Right. So you actually. To help trigger my memory, before we recorded, you looked up a bunch of pictures from this time frame. Yeah, pictures are great. Which is really awesome because it does bring me back to that place. Mm -hmm. And it brings me back to such a, like, sweet time. And I don't know. It's just crazy to think about how much has changed since then. Yeah. I mean, so much has changed. And the older you get, I think you just appreciate Everything more. You appreciate people. You appreciate time, experiences, all the things. So, so take us back to July the third, twenty ten. That was I, I turned thirty eight that day. <laughs> so July the third, twenty ten. Yes, I um, I can't remember how much we talked about before, but I'd lived in Sweden. I we've, actually we've covered all that. Okay, I owned a condo. I don't know if I told you that. I actually shipped all my stuff. Okay, so I'm flying into Birmingham, but I'm flying to move here for for the first time. I always say, like, oh, I came back to Birmingham, but then I catch myself and say, well, I actually came here for the first time to well, live. you came back to America. Right, I came mm-hmm. back to America. That's true. Um, so after being there for eight years, and it was funny because there was a false alarm a few years prior to that in 2008 I said I was going to move back to the States, and my parents were in Pensacola, and I was going to move back to Pensacola, and I did, and they had this huge parade with signs, <laughs> like family parade, you know, with signs like, welcome home, Haley. They had actually made buttons with my picture on it, which Aww. was hilarious. But literally within three months, I got offered a job and decided to go back, yeah. and it was the biggest letdown, like anticlimactic, like, psych your mind, going back to Europe. And your parents were heartbroken over that. <laughs> they were heartbroken. Especially dad. I remember your mom telling me a story. Your dad was very bothered. Yes. So fast forward 2010, I'm moving to Alabama where they are back to America mm-hmm. for good. But of course, my dad and my mom and my family were like, we'll see about that. I don't know. They weren't sure? Well, yeah, because of they, they were kind of wounded or scarred from that <laughs> last time. You know, I had moved back for good. Yeah. So, but in there, I knew it was different. I was, it was very resolute in my mind, and I understand that they couldn't, didn't want to <laughs> believe that until they knew it for sure, you know. Yeah, I can but see I knew it was different. And can I do a side note real quick? Yeah, your mom told me that she prayed every day that you were gone for eight years that you would come home. She said she n- knew enough to know that she couldn't try to force you or you know <laughs> try to influence you, but that she could not stand the thought of you being on the other side of the planet, even though you're living your best life and doing your career and following right. your dreams. But she said, I knew Jesus was going to bring her home, and <laughs> you know that she kept me on my knees all those years. It's just funny because people that know me from here now— mm-hmm. And they always, especially when my parents were alive, they like, you're all, you're so close to all your family. But back, it's not that I wasn't close to them, but I'm very much like where I'm at is where I'm at. And I'm not very good at staying in touch. I was not very good at staying in touch with even my parents. I mean, I did, of course, but um, I was just very engaged and had like a full life somewhere else. And Well, I think that your personality is like that. You are in the moment. Yeah. Like that helps me. Like if we get an argument. I'm the one that holds grudges. You don't even really hold grudges. You feel like, okay, let's move on. Let's forget right. about it. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like that. But. So anyway, so I flew in July 3rd on your birthday. Didn't hey, know hey. you yet. 
And my parents had rented a lake house, so they had moved to Gardendale. They're actually staying in some apartments in Fultondale mm-hmm. with my grandmother. Had moved into them, moved out of her house of fifty-five years. Um, she had dementia, and it was kind of time for her to yeah. need to be living. So they had rented apartments until they found a house. They were thinking about building, but you know they wanted it to be one that they loved, like a dream house. So it took some time. To do that, so they were living in this Fulton Hill apartment, so they had rented this huge lake house for the 4th of July weekend. That's fun. So my aunt and my uncle and my cousin, they had all come to stay at this lake house. Shout out to the Cubans. <laughs> my mom was already there, and my sister and her family, kids, and also my brother, who was not living in Alabama yet, he was living in South Carolina, drove down to be at this lake house. It was just going to be a really fun weekend. So my dad picked me up from the airport, just him. So everybody was there? No, everybody was not at the hotel. I mean, at the hotel, at the airport. No, everybody was there at the lake house? Everyone Pretty was Pretty much your whole house. immediate family. Yes. Aunt Nora, so, all the people. Yeah. Yeah, so my dad picked me up from the airport, and we drove straight to the lake house where everybody already was. Mm-hmm. And it was just a really fun weekend all to be together. It was right on the lake. You know, we had the fireworks. And so, yeah, it was good. But it was, that was the beginning of my journey in Alabama, knowing I was going to be living in Alabama. Well, I thought about a few things after we were married. I thought American ho- we have American holidays that we don't even realize. Like when you were in Sweden, y'all didn't celebrate Fourth of July. Or Thanksgiving. That's true. Those are very American holidays. But I had a group of American friends, and yeah. we would get together and do barbecue and celebrate those things. Oh, that's fun. I mean, you know, the country didn't celebrate it or shut down or it wasn't a holiday, but yeah. we would get together and celebrate it. That's neat. Okay. Yeah. So um, anyway, and this is very typical me, too. I mean, I the purpose of me moving was to be close to my parents and family yeah, and to establish for the first time adult to adult relationships mm-hmm. opposed to me as a kid when I'm in high school. And so beyond that, I had not really thought about too much. What's it going to be like living in Alabama? Yeah. Just like, here I am. <laughs> Let's find a job. So I had, I had no job lined up. I mean, I knew I had, I knew I would have no problem finding one. Yeah. Um, I had lots of experience, so I didn't really stress about that because I knew I could just stay with my parents very temporarily yeah, while getting all those things in place. Well, can I interject something because I think it's so funny? Yes. You said that your dad took you to Bonefish Grill the first couple of weeks that you were here? Yes. And that you were sitting in the— Which is a restaurant, for those of you who don't know, in Birmingham, yeah. yeah. You were sitting in the lobby waiting to get in, and you were looking around all the— Men your age. Yes, because I was 30 and single. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you told your dad, uh, I just don't see myself marrying anyone from Alabama. That Can is you true. Talk about that? I was, we were sitting waiting for a table. You know, there's a bar, we we're having a drink, yeah. and I was just observing the people and I mean, the men, <laughs> like I said, 30 and single. And just the style, everything was different. The vibe, the style of people and men. Yeah. And um, I mean, I'm coming from Europe, you know. What they wear like panties over there or something? James, no. I mean, it's just blouses. They wore blouses. And I had been there for so long that that was my norm. Yeah. You know, more than. And so it was just very different. And I remember thinking, and I even said to my dad, I just do not see myself marrying any man from Alabama if this is what it looks like. But then fast forward, you married the epitome of Alabama. Roll be, tide. Be careful what you say. Phoenix be careful City. what you say. <laughs> 
So, yeah, so I we spent that weekend at the lake, and then um, I had, you know, put my resume together. I had also, I was in the education world. I knew so that refresh I, people, you're a teacher. Yeah, I was a teacher, but I actually worked in this um, this special needs program in the school. But you had two or three degrees. Yes. And you had about 10 years under your belt as far as experience. Exactly. But most of that experience was in Europe. Yes, all so, of it was in Europe. So well, you did an internship one year. in Miami. Yeah, but I just thought... You know, even if I have to do something that's, I mean, I'm taking a pay cut or not doing something, you know, as high up in leadership or management, I was fine with that. I was just like, I'm just going to find something to get my foot in the door in the education world because that's what I know. And that's my experience. That's my education. So, yeah, so I'd made a list of schools in the area and I had my resume and I literally would get up at 7 o'clock in the morning because school start earlier, mm-hmm. and I'd make a route and go to these different schools. And, I mean, I wouldn't make an appointment, but I would go and just introduce myself or mm-hmm. try to introduce myself and say if there was any openings. Um, so I was doing that. I also got on the sub list, uh, substitute teacher list, yeah. you know, in different, the different school systems because that's always a way to get your foot in the door, too. So did you just stay, like, in North Birmingham or you went all over Birmingham? I went all over. Okay. I went all over. And um, and I learned very quickly what they say. I feel like I've said this a lot in the last couple of weeks. It is so true what they say about it's not about what you know, but it's about who, who you, you know. know. And I knew no one. And... Well, not just you. Your parents didn't know anybody either. Yeah, my parents didn't know anybody either. I mean, there were times I would drive to these schools and ask to see the principal, and they would tell me she was there. But she, but then I'd say, oh, I just want to introduce myself, and she would not come out and meet me. <laughs> wow. Because I mean, she was just like, who is this? This is weird. Like, yeah. I don't have time for this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and Was that a regular thing, like? Well, that happened probably a handful of times. Okay. I mean, I would say the majority of the time I was able to meet someone and, you know, hand them my resume. I would feel encouraged and then there would never be any calls, so I'd quickly get deflated. Yeah. But then there was those handful of times that I couldn't even get someone to come out and shake my hand and meet me. And So what you're saying is if you're an outsider in this area, we weren't very warm and friendly to it's you. It's tough. Like, it's it's very tough to be an outsider coming in, especially, I think, in the professional job world. Do you think that's true yeah. anywhere? Is that just here? Or? Um, I think it's probably true to some extent anywhere, but more so here. Really? I mean, it's just a very, we call Gardendale modern-day Mayberry. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I was looking outside of Gardendale. Like, I was looking yeah. Birmingham and beyond, you know. It was just turned into what was a very exciting and hopeful um, change for me. Yeah. A big deal to, you know, be 30 years old and uproot after almost a decade somewhere. And, you know, my career was awesome. I love what I was doing. I had a condo, sold it, moved into a little apartment with my parents and my grandmother. Yeah. And could not find a job to save my life. Bless your heart. And that was really the first time, I would say, in my life at 30 years old that I could not make something happen. Because I usually could always make something happen. Mm-hmm. Even if it wasn't what I wanted to happen or wasn't like my my vision or my goal, like something, because I just... We're going to move the ball forward. <laughs> right. I could just... I mean, because I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm a hustler. I get out there. Yeah. But this was the first time I just... It was just so... I can't even tell you. 
how discouraging it was to not be able to make anything happen. So how did that affect your, was it just mess with your self-image? It was discouraging? We'll be right back. Head over to our YouTube channel for recipes, podcasts, and now we're even live streaming stuff to give you guys real glimpses into our daily lives. Yikes. You'll also be able to see the podcast behind the scenes and unedited live streams. We've added the first five seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast, and even if you've listened to all of them, check out the video format to see pictures, behind the scenes, and a whole lot more. And while you're there, please hit the subscribe button. It won't cost you anything, but it does help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe or a podcast. For exclusive content, download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions, but all levels have one feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms and they're completely free from ads. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. It was very discouraging, and it did mess with my self-image, and like a perfect kind of segue into that of how it did. So so how did you end up working at Whole Foods? Like somebody with a teaching degree from how did you how did you wind up at Whole Foods? Okay, so I hadn't mentioned that, but <laughs> I um it was in the fall and it was kind of clear to me. I mean, I was on sub list and I was subbing whenever they called me that I wasn't going to get a full-time job. So does that mean you just education. have to sit around waiting on somebody to call you to substitute, or is it like a Yeah, special? I mean, you, you do. You have to, and sometimes it's the night before, and it's just on a need basis. You know, they need someone to come in. So I was getting— So you really can't live off—I mean, you— No, for this, sure okay, yeah. not. But, you know, in my case, I was living with my parents, so I yeah. I had some cushion there. Um, but I was really itching to get out and get my own place. I but bet. I knew I had to Living get a job. Living with your mom and dad job. and grandmother. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after, you know, 12 years of being on my own. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I saw this job fair thing or job drive. I don't know what you call it. On the local news for Whole Foods. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I ain't got nothing else <laughs> to do. I mean, well. So I went to it and we didn't have a Whole Foods in the town that I grew up and yeah. it was a very beach town or at the time I think there's one now and it was always kind of like a upper scale yeah and um but they do have this specialty department that has wines and beers and cheeses and like specialty foods which I mean I that's, love that's I right. love all of those that's things. right up your alley <laughs> it definitely is and so long story short I went to this and got hired in the specialty department mm-hmm which I was excited about. I mean, you know, I was so deflated, like anything was like, yeah, give me something. yes. And so also in my mind, I mean, I'm a very good reframer. So uh-huh. I'm like, well, obviously this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And obviously I'm supposed to be running this Whole Foods in a year. <laughs> and this is where I just got, this is where I have to start, you know. Yeah. And so I was very excited about it, but quickly got in. It's the first time I've ever had a job that I had to clock in. Really? Yeah. And that was... Was that an adjustment for was me. Was it humbling for you? Well, it was just weird. Like I had, you know, just 
I don't know, even in, I mean, I worked as a cocktail waitress in college. Like that was not really, I guess I clocked in there, but this felt different. This was like, Mm -hmm. you you do your hours, you clock in. You're on the clock. And I mean, that's great for some people. I don't know. Some people love that. Yeah. But for me, I don't love that because if I'm doing something, I'm doing it. So even if I clock out, like I'm still thinking about it and how can I do it better? Like it's just how I'm wired. Mm -hmm. And so it felt very counterintuitive for me just as a person. Like, oh, so I clock in and I start and then I (laughs) clock out and I'm done. Like it was just a weird concept (laughs) for me. I don't know. I liked it at first because you're learning the wines and memorizing the cheeses. But I mean, you know, it's a food service job. Well, tell us about what Abby said when you were like hyping. It was so funny. This I love to hear you tell a story because you were like hyping it up. Yeah, I was so excited because you know I'd been so deflated. I and was Abby's like, obviously, this is my path. You know, yeah. not what I thought, but I'm all in. You <laughs> yeah. know, and Abby, yeah, my little sister was just like when I was telling her I got the job and I was so excited, and she was looking at me with this very confused look on her face, and she was like. So you're working at a grocery store. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, but it's like the Ferrari of grocery stores. Yeah. <laughs> Reframe, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so yeah, but I quickly realized, I mean, this is a food service job, you know, and it's not like waitressing or serving, which I'd done before, mm-hmm. where you have to. And if you know anything about me, I like to be cute. I like to wear cute outfits and wear heels. and But when you go into this job, you had to put the little foot protectors on your tennis shoes that foot you have protectors. to wear. Well, I mean. Like the little mitten thing? Yes. Like the hairnet thing? Yes. You had to wear those on your feet? Yes. And oh, my goodness. This is great. Right. And the things on your hands. Gloves? Gloves. Yeah, that's normal. And even something like cover your head with a hat. You had to wear a hat? Yeah. And so... My baby. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I just know that's not sound you. Sound like you're talking to Lula. No, it was not me that's at all. all you. <laughs> and um, But I just was like, but you know what? Here I am. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. And That's one of the things I love the most about you. No matter what the hard season we're in, you're just like... Because I remember when we found out we were having twins, and we were in a bad place financially. I was still struggling to get out from under all the Cairo stuff. And we lived in an 800-square-foot house, and it was two small bedrooms, and our credit was blocked. Like, we couldn't do anything. I mean, it was our house, (laughs) but we couldn't sold it, I guess, but we couldn't buy another one just yet. And just uh, racking my brain trying, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do? And we converted the dining room, which we never used anyways, into the boys' bedroom. And just the way that you like sprung into action and like, okay, we can figure it out. And we did. Yeah. And it worked. And I mean, well, we did three years of that with the boys. Yeah. We were packed to the gills, but yeah. we were never, you were never not happy. Like you figure out a way to reframe, to readjust and, you know, do what we got to do. And yeah. I, that's one of, I think that's one of your great strengths. Thank you, babe. I'm saying, but. Um, yeah, so I was one part of the specialty department is they have an olive bar <laughs> and different which I do love olives, but I like don't. I mean olives I like to gross. eat them. And I like so, the oil. Yeah. <laughs> so they have these things and when you're refilling the olive bar, you you know, have to have your full gear on. Like <laughs> your full gear. Yeah, the things on your feet <laughs> and hands and head, you know. I remember Filling that olive bar, I was cleaning it, refilling it, you know, whatever I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I remember thinking, 
oh my gosh, what if, first I thought, what if somebody came in that I've been trying to get these teaching jobs, <laughs> then sees me, you know? <laughs> and I got kind of embarrassed and almost ashamed, you know? And then I thought, I, you know, what has happened in my life? How did that, I get here? <laughs> how did I get here? Like six months ago, I mean, by my own choice, yeah. which was weird too at the time. Like I'm, I was living in Europe, had a condo in this awesome area of town, was like flying all over Europe, traveling, working, like jet just, setter. You know, had friends, had a group of friends, and then six months later, I'm in Alabama, <laughs> a small town in Alabama, like getting olive juice on me, wearing these protectors all over <laughs> my body like for the for the and I thought what just happened I'm 30 years old like what am I doing like why did I why did what what did I do to myself here and it was just humbling and disheartening and it was just hard and it was a real and I remember going home that night cuz I was also living in the small apartment with my parents yeah watching TV and me and my dad got to talking, and he, I was just telling him about that experience and how I was feeling, and just wasn't feeling good, and like maybe I need to be doing something different. And um, I, I'll never forget it. He paused the TV, was watching. He paused the TV and looked at me and said, "Well, what defines you?" Mm-hmm. And like it was very, who it makes me emotional because. Number one, it's a great question, but, like, I was in this moment in time of just, like, what does define me? I mm. Like, I don't know. Like, because <laughs> up to that point, I think how I'm wired and how I'm made, and I, but I don't think this is special to me. I think this is true for all people. Yeah. You take, like, what your accomplishments are, what you're doing, what you've been able to achieve, or maybe even what's happened to you, bad things. Yeah. And, like, the victim or whatever, and you let these set of set of experiences that you've been that you've been doing or have been done to you like be the defining like this is who I am that's who I am so it becomes your identity and I you know that was my mindset mentality subconsciously you Mm -hmm. know what you know I lived in Europe I had moved to Europe I was an adventurer like I had established a career I was well respected I had friends I had bought a condo like I was that girl I mean I was like you're doing the thing yeah I mean I in my mind I was like pretty awesome you know but all those <laughs> things had defined who I was and all those things are really neat and great but like in that moment I think it was just taking a step back and really like looking inwardly like what does define me who so am was, I aside from it was basically like the rug got pulled out from under you yeah. All the things that you put your confidence in right. were gone, and it was just a humbling season for you. Right. If you take away all those things for me to really, like, think about and decide, mm-hmm. like, who who am I, like, taking away? And so I really, like, from that time, you know, for the next week or so, just, you know, as a believer and really, like, who am I? I'm a daughter of the king. And yeah. no matter, like, what job I'm doing at the time, like— that 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 is what I was going to stand on, and that is what I was going to be confident in, and know that um, you know whatever was ahead for me, uh-huh. like was not didn't change the core fact of that I was a daughter of the king, and that there's yeah. a good plan, and that there's a purpose. Well, let's segue into that. I have a question about that. Um, we talked in the episode uh, a couple episodes back when you talked about going to Church of the Hounds. Pastor Chris gave the the my five tool. Yeah, that you took back to Sweden, mm-hmm. and that was actually the thing that ultimately led you to move to Alabama, 
Right. When you came to Alabama in 2010, did you start going to Church of the Highlands? Yes, immediately. So Mm -hmm. there's a funny story, and you got pretty involved pretty quick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you tell a funny story that when you got here, you were like, this man, this Pastor Chris Hodges, (laughs) his sermon changed my life. Yeah. So you're like, I think I need to go talk to him. So you piled up in your car and you drove to Grant's Mill? Well, this is, you know, listen to his messages. And I mean, he's still, this is still the message of, you know, find your purpose. Yeah. You're, so, I mean, I was on a very hot track to like, I need to find my purpose and yeah. like do it, you know, especially in the midst of this identity, like crisis or rediscovery, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I moved here. I started going to Highlands right away, got involved right away, did everything they told me to do. Yeah. And for those of for people, just for context, like that are not from around here, Church of the Highlands is a mega church. It yeah. is, you know, we have twenty campuses. It's, it's all over the place. There's forty, fifty thousand members. Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 a big. You don't just walk in the pastor's office and talk to him. Right. So, but I didn't. I had never been to a mega church. Yeah, you didn't know. I about. mean, I hadn't been going to any church, but you know, in Europe. So then I was just like, but you know what? That message brought me here. I'm going to church now, and I'm yeah. going to do everything they tell me to do. So in my world, you know, Pastor Chris is my pastor, and he is. Yeah. But I did not have the—I didn't even grow up going to a big church. Mm-hmm. I always went to a small church. And so for me, this was no different. It was just bigger. I had yeah. more people. And so I wanted Pastor Chris to know that I was here. You know, <laughs> because of course you want he to wants to know that <laughs> that I had moved and I was plugged in. And well, I was his message here to was what got and, you here. Yeah, and I just wanted to like unpack with him a little bit yeah. about like you know what my purpose is, kind of things <laughs> I was thinking. Let's just have a convo about that, you know. So yeah, I got my car. I think it was a Tuesday morning. Just drove up to the church, like the office, and walked into the front office and said, "Hey, you know, I'm Haley Jones. Just moved here. I'm here." You weren't Haley Jones. You're oh, Haley I Hobart. was. You're right. I wasn't <laughs> Haley Jones. I said, "This is, you know, my name's Haley Hobart. I just moved here. You know, I'm going to church here, and I'd like to see Pastor Chris." She was like, "Right now?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." She said, "Do you have an appointment?" No, I don't. Like, I just, she's like, do you have a, you know, something that you need to discuss? Is there something? She was just kind of, yeah. I was like, no, just me in general. <laughs> That's what I was talking about. And the way she looked at me, I mean, now I understand was just like, this yeah. girl is off a rocker. She thinks she's going to just come in and walk right into Pastor Chris's office and have a chat, but for me that was you I don't know you didn't understand the context, but no, I didn't understand but, that that was a weird thing to do. Like, but now we understand he has almost <laughs> fifty thousand members in his church. If everybody did that, he would never right. <laughs> and I started to read her reaction to me after a few minutes and me asking a couple of questions, like yeah. just kind of like a little like pity. Oh, I'm very disturbed. I mean, I could just feel that, but I was yeah. just like. And it was off-putting. I mean, she wasn't doing anything wrong. I think she was just shocked because, like, who does that, you know? But I did not realize that until I was in it, doing it. And um, anyway, she's like, well, what you're going to need to do is send an email to a secretary (laughs) and a nature and then maybe. But I'm just going to tell you that, you know, he doesn't really – I don't know what she said. She said it in a nice way, but, like – Basically, don't count on it. Yeah, and go talk Bottom to Bottom line, else. don't count on it. Like, who's your campus pastor? I'm like, no, I go here, you know? like, And um, so I left there, and I remember, like, crying. 
because I just felt like. Were you hurt? I didn't. You didn't tell me that. Yeah, I called my mom like crying. <laughs> I mean, I'm not like proud of that, but I just called her and I was just like, I just wanted to talk and tell them I'm here, you know, like in the. Well, I mean, it is a pretty miraculous story. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're living on the other side of the planet, yeah. and you happen to go to one service where he tells, and it gets you back here, right? And it's something well, your parents. Well, it gets me here. I never lived here before. And that's but... something also that your parents have been praying for right. eight plus years. Right. So it is um, a miraculous story. I just felt deflated. And I think, you know, you got to remember what I was just telling about the job thing. Yeah. Like, I just felt like slam door after slam door. Like, mm-hmm. it was like, who are you? <laughs> no, thank you. Like, <laughs> um, and I just wasn't used to it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, that was a, and so that was yet another kind of like, oh, you're so cute. Like, so up until <laughs> you this can time, leave now. <laughs> up until this time, and I know that you were the apple of your daddy's eye. Yeah. <clears throat> and... Basically, what you're saying is that for 30 years, doors had always opened for you. You were, you know, doors were swinging open. You're just I'm like, hey, walk doors. <laughs> yeah. Um, and especially, you know, we had lived in the same town for 30 something years. Yeah, so we you knew, knew a everybody. lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And you're very social. Very, you're very extroverted. Mm-hmm. Like you're all about the people. Yeah. And then here you are. And it's not working out that way. Yeah, it I was. I feel like it could be very humbling. Yeah, it was very, yeah, it was humbling. And just hard, you know, you have the friendship piece. I didn't have any friends. Um, I had my family, which I was thankful for, or my parents, yeah. my sister. But about the same time, actually, with well, within four months, they found a tumor on my thyroid that was the size of a lime. A lime. And it, it had been affecting me for a while. Like, my hair was falling out. Like, my weight was fluctuating. And I didn't... There was a lot of things that I didn't know that it was re- all related to that. But yeah. it ended up being related to that. And so, yeah, that was kind of scary. Yeah. Um, they thought it was cancerous at first because it was so aggressive and so big. And... um but anyway, so I had to have surgery on that and go through that. And then there was a little bit of family drama, you know, after I moved here that I thought, you know, I thought like, man, nothing of what I thought this was going to be, this experience, yeah. is not what I thought. It wasn't all rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. It's kind of like me getting out of prison thinking everything was going to be right. rainbows, butterflies, and unicorns, and then... You know, finding myself stuck in a hot, sweaty apartment, realizing I didn't have any air. Right? Yeah. Uh, and you know, like we said, like a, so, like I, I am very adaptable. I can reframe things. Like, fine, no problem. Like, I can just what do you call it? Like, brush things off my shoulder. Like, yeah, it's you're, fine. You're good at that. But there was just too many things, I think. And at my age, I was feeling the. Well, let me just say. So in Europe, none of my friends, or very few of my friends, were married. Much less had kids. Yes. That's like, they do things a lot later there. So I was very much in the social norm there as far as like not being married. Uh, But then moving to Alabama, I just learned very quickly that... I was definitely on the less common end of the scale. Yeah, you supposed <laughs> to be married. As far as being 21. thirty years old, never married, and no kids, so mm-hmm. to find friends in that season, I mean, I think that would be hard no matter what season you're in. Honestly, moving to a new place, yeah. But it felt like everything just felt highlighted and magnified. Like you know, I to find friends, to find a job, and find a place to live, and then the tumor, and then I mean, the church. I really even after. Uh, not being able to meet with Pastor Chris. 
Well, you I mean, I stayed, you know, plugged in and very involved, and that was a saving grace for me because yeah, um, it just allowed me a way to connect and find people. You so know. you started doing everything, small groups, serving all the things. Yeah, I yeah. started. Rocking and rolling. Yeah. Where did you move to? I, I, I... So I moved to a little apartment um, once I got the the Whole Foods job. Mm-hmm. I moved to a little apartment in Redmont Gardens, I believe it's called, but it's in Mountain Brook, the English Village. So Mountain Brook, Alabama is kind of like a little. It's a suburb. A suburb, yeah. So at, Birmingham is a big metro area city, yeah. and it's surrounded by dozens of pockets of little towns. I love that word, and someone else described it to me that way. There's little pockets. Like there's mm-hmm. the Mountain Brook pocket, there's the Vestavia, there's Hoover, and then you can go north. You have the Garnell pocket. Mm-hmm. So for those of you that aren't from Alabama know nothing about it. But it's all, in my mind, basically the same place. Yeah, like I call it all Birmingham. You don't see it as different. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, to me, it was just like, I moved to Birmingham, I live in Birmingham. Like, and you found an apartment that you liked. So I found this apartment, and I really loved it because it was small. I mean, my condo that I had in, in Europe was small. It was just me, you know. Yeah. And so, but also that it was built in the 20s, so it had these original wood floors. It it reminded me of Europe, honestly, really? and that's why I liked it. I mean, it was a little more expensive, but there were some things you could walk to, like mm-hmm. these little restaurants and a coffee shop and it was, it was quaint. Right, it, quaint. It was right near the um, botanical gardens and the zoo that I could actually walk there and like. Mm-hmm. Go. So I love that. And so. And Mountain Brook is also you're right in the heart of Birmingham, so you can yeah. go. You can go anywhere. Right. You're, you're here. So but yeah. Being an outsider, you didn't really understand. Well, well, let me let me let me bring some context in. Yeah. Mountain Brook. You know, I, I moved to Birmingham in 1999. I learned very fast. Mountain Brook is where all the rich people live. <laughs> that is, uh, and, and but it's true though. Uh, like the real estate prices in Mountain Brook are the highest in the state of Alabama. Uh, somewhere I read, maybe even in the South. Like mm-hmm. it is when they built, when Birmingham was built, they called it the Magic City because it sprung up overnight. Yeah, and it was centered around the steel industry because of Red Mountain and the iron ore that was here. Mm-hmm. But that was the. All the old money, all the people with all the money started building houses in Mountain Brook, mm-hmm. and that's the richy rich section of Birmingham. And there's an air and an attitude among people, like anywhere else in Birmingham, you know, we live in Birmingham, Homewood, you know, stuff like that. But uh, Mountain Brook is like the deluxe version of life, <laughs> yeah, the deluxe version, yeah. I mean. I guess, but you didn't, but you didn't know that you just ran into. Oh, apartment. I had no idea. But okay. when you would meet people, you would say, "Hey, I live in Mountain Brook. Have you heard of it?" Yeah. So there was <laughs> and even they would this give salon. You attitude, like you were trying to brag. Well, they'd yeah. yeah. I said, you know, they're like, "Oh, where do you live? Where's your apartment?" I said, "Oh, it's in this little village in Mountain Brook. Have you heard of it?" <laughs> because I mean, I hadn't heard of it. Like yeah. how you know? And I could feel when I said that a couple times. That people would just get this like air and attitude, and I was was genuinely confused. Yeah, I'm like, oh, we were having a good conversation. I could tell we were vibing, and now I don't understand the attitude that I'm getting. Like I sensed it; it was very subtle. But I was just like, what just happened? I don't. What did I say? I don't. I don't understand. (laughs) And then um, someone, I think it was same situation, but it was someone I had kind of been talking to more. Yeah, and he laughed and he said, I just. And he was able to tell me, he's like, well, I mean, I'm laughing because it's kind of funny because you sound, you know, I know you're not, but you sound like you're a little bit condescending, like, 
Like if if you would have been from if I would have been from Mountain Book and be like, oh, have you heard of it? You know, like you're not one of us. You're not one of yeah. Um, but of course, that's not at all what you meant. What I meant or what I was. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So I found that apartment, and I really. I mean, I, even my parents, you know, didn't know that either. Yeah. And they were like, are you sure it's so old? <laughs> sure you want to, like, pick that one, you know, there? And um, But it did remind me of Europe, and that's why I picked it. So, But, yeah, so soon after, you know, I was working at Whole Foods, and but was still, you know, struggling to make ends how, meet. How, do they pay well, does Whole Foods? Um, I mean, they paid well for a grocery store. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, but could you live off I of don't it? remember how much they paid exactly, but it was definitely hourly, and um, I could live off of it, but barely. So I actually ended up getting a second retail job at Anthropology, which is a clothing I didn't know furniture that. Yeah, store. And but that was a complete disaster because you got a discount, and I would just spend all my money <laughs> like, buying stuff. Uh, um, you got like 40% off, and then there was two items a month that you would get 60% off, which, of course, yeah, you're I'm not going to pass that up. And so, but that was terrible because I... It did not. The purpose was for me to like get a little cushion, like a little bit of cushion, but yeah. that wasn't happening. Well, tell us how you ended up because this is part of really part of your story, becoming a part of my story was that you went to work for your dad. So, yeah. So, right out of the gate, my dad was trying to convince me to come work for him. So, how did you end the Whole Foods? You just got tired of olive juice and... Well, hold on. When I say right out of the gate, like right when I moved there and was looking for teaching jobs, he was bringing that up. And I was like, no, 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 no. I mean, because I didn't want to work for my dad. Yeah. I just didn't. And just the whole idea of like, you know what? I need to make this on my own. I need to do it on my own. I don't need daddy's help, okay? Like, It became, he ramped it up when I was not able to find a job, like I explained. Mm-hmm. And then finally I was like Whole Foods, and he was like, Haley, come on, come work for me. <laughs> like, you can be flexible. Like, I'll pay you this, whatever. And so finally, after that anthropology job was very much proving to be <laughs> not putting money in my bank account, but only in clothes in my closet, he, I finally, you know, really started entertaining the idea and thinking about it. So... I took him up on it. and Were you selling insurance? It was kind of like this. He wanted me to do his marketing. Okay, so he had a pretty big operation in Garndale. Yeah, he did. He had about, I think at the time, like five or six team members. Uh And so I would come in to do the marketing. And one of them was your brother-in-law, Sean? Yes, one was my brother-in-law, Sean, married to my sister, Abby. Now, when did Hobie come? So Hobie came a year after I moved here, Were so you already, a year later. And Hobie's Haley's brother. Yes. So for the first time since y'all were kids, yeah, your whole family was living in Gardendale, Alabama. Right. And your whole family was basically working for your dad because Abby's husband— Well, pause that. Let me—so it was a big decision for me— to quit Whole Foods and go work for my dad. Not because, just because I had had it in my mind, I'm not going to work for my dad. Yeah. Like, I don't need his help. I want to make it on my own. But he it's convinced like a pride me. Thing. I th- yeah, a little bit. And yeah. he convinced me. I mean, I'd been on my own for, you know, 10, 12 years. So mm-hmm. I was like, nothing's going to change now. But he just little by little, it just started to make sense, mm-hmm. you know? And he, I was going to get paid more. I was going to have more flexibility. I was going to kind of do some, get to do some creative things like with marketing. He was selling that to me, you know, even though I do not have any background like education in marketing or business whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but There's eventually, something about appeal to you. Yeah. I mean, eventually he convinced me and I ended up 
um, quitting my job at Whole Foods and going to work for my dad full time. Well, tell us about coming in to Gardendale, Alabama and doing the marketing for your dad. And, you know, that's a big culture shock. But at the same time, you were making things happen in Gardendale, Alabama. Started work with my dad marketing. I just started kind of digging, digging into that. What did that look like? What does it mean? Ideas for that and getting his name out there so people know who he is. I mean, he worked for State Farm. He was a State Farm agent, so everyone knows State yeah. Farm. But by this but time, at the same time, there's also just in Gardendale, there's seven State Farm agents. Right. By this time, though, I had realized like kind of the small town feel mm-hmm. and that um, that it was important that people kn- knew who you were. Yeah. And so that was, I think, my first initiative for my dad, like working for him. is like, okay, I got to like, we got to get people exposed, I guess, <laughs> to like him and us and who we are. Mm-hmm. And So y'all moved into this community, which is a very tight-knit community, mm-hmm. and you're here to stay. Like, you're not just doing Yeah, business. oh, yeah. I mean, my dad, you know, like we mentioned before, I mean, moved here at 60 to start yeah. a whole new gig, you know. I mean, he was in it to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, relocated. I mean, they're staying. This yeah. is there forever. I mean, I was, even when I started working for my dad in Gardendale, Gardendale, I still, like, lived in my Mountain Brook apartment. So yeah. it was, like, 20, for those of you that don't know, it's, like, 20, 25-minute drive. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, it's all Birmingham to me, so it doesn't matter. But, yeah, so the first thing, or one of the first things I did was, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just... Honor a different business mm-hmm. in the community. Yeah. Every week is the business of the week. And I'm going to go in and <laughs> interview them and like, who are you? Like, why we love them. It was just an interesting move on my part. I don't even know why, like how I thought of it. Like here we are, the nobodies that nobody knows. Yeah. On the bottom. And that, <laughs> and that you know, when you think of it that way. Uh-huh. And I'm going to be highlighting, let me give you an example, Jeff Dennis Jewelers uh-huh. as the business of the week. Yeah. And he's like, "Who are you? <laughs> this is a guy that's <laughs> that's been around for ever a long time. He's like a pillar in the community. But like everybody, he's knows also him. very involved. He's built parks and you know, sponsored parks. And like he has a very successful. But I didn't know that. I yeah. mean, I'm just like, hey, I'm here to highlight you as the business of the week. He's like, who are you? I'm like, uh, Haley Hobart, Grant Hobart State Farm, right across the street, and. I know that people must have been amused, yeah. like, but I, I didn't know what I didn't know. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I just was trying to find a way to connect with people and get to know people. There are things you don't, if you don't know, you just don't know. I, <laughs> yeah. I met a guy when we were doing the Cairo stuff. It was actually in Jeff Dennis Jewelers. And he said, I heard you were opening a restaurant in Gardendale. And I said, yeah. And he said, what, what is it called? He was a police officer. And I said, Cairo's. And he said, what kind of food? I said, well, it's kind of a fusion between Southern and Greek. And he was like, oh, kind of like our place. And I was like, where's your place? And he said, no, our place. <laughs> I was and I it. said, "Where? what place? And he was like, our place. And I got frustrated. Like, what What place? But the name of the restaurant that he was talking about was a little uh, place in Gardendale. The name of the restaurant is Our Place. Right, <laughs> so, right. I had that same experience with that restaurant. Yeah. So that was one thing I did, and then I got introduced to an organization called BNI that someone invited me to a meeting. And so that's um, business networking. Actually, Anthony Westbrook. Yeah, it's yeah a networking organization, and I mean you network obviously, but it's there are these chapters that are groups that are um, 
what do you call it? They're category exclusive, so you can only have one of each kind in. Mm -hmm. So once there's a realtor in, there can only be one realtor. So I love the idea, especially for me Mm -hmm. and my dad. It's perfect. Like, you don't know anybody. You need to get connected and, like, try to find a way to start establishing relationships. But then those groups that are already formed, they probably got insurance. And that was the problem. So I love the idea. I love the concept. There's a lot of structure to it. I felt like I could kind of sink my teeth into it. It It's something I could just go after. And Mm -hmm. but of course, there was no chapter in the Birmingham area that had an insurance seat open, which is the one I would take. Working for my dad, obviously. So you just started your own chapter. So I decided to start my own (laughs) chapter, which was a lot of work. You had to, you know, you had to do this kickoff event and try to get hundred plus people there. Mm -hmm. You had to have twenty five paid like committed members, which is something, I mean, you're asking them or the the rule from the BNI is that, you know, it's about six at that time, six, $700. So you're asking them to commit financially, but also like a time commitment. And so, but it really gave me something to like get my head around doing this job that I had never done before. Yeah. Trying to get in a community that I didn't know anybody. Mm -hmm. It just gave me a track to run on. And it ended up being a great track because I did meet a lot of people and I was able to connect to a lot of people. It gave me credibility since I was the one yeah. starting it, like hustling that out. But you're also helping other businesses grow their business. Right. And so, I mean, the whole idea, like and I love to- this, is that like, I mean, if we all do it and we all like really commit to it, like everyone can win. Yeah, you it's know? a win-win deal. So, um, so Tell us was- about the meeting where you met the mayor. I love this story. Well, you know, I started networking, like going to the chamber events. Like uh-huh. for those of our European listeners, they have these chamber of commerce, the, the city, and they bring together different business owners and like salespeople. And it's basically you're just, what is the purpose? I guess coming together. It's, it's your networking. Chamber. It's networking. Yeah, just getting to know people. It's yeah. networking. And um, so it was one of my first ones. And <laughs> I love this story. I was. <laughs> talking to some guy. I don't know what we were talking about. I mean, you know, it was small talk. Or, But then this guy, this another like man came in, and he dropped me, the guy I was talking to, like a hot <laughs> potato, like our conversation. Like, and I, it was clear that he wanted to talk to this other guy. Somebody more important Somebody than Somebody more important, here. yeah. I hate uh, that when that happens. <laughs> I, I, I can't say something like that. And so I was like, okay, okay, well, maybe I want to talk to him too, whoever he is, you know. <laughs> And so I just kind of shimmied myself over into the new circle he had made, like with the these other people. Yeah. And just introduced myself. Hey, I'm Haley Hobart. And, you know, what do you do? What do you do? And I got to him. I was like, hey, so so what do you do here? And he said, oh, I'm I'm the mayor of the, and he was kind of <laughs> like, you don't know that. You I'm know, the mayor. Kinda. <laughs> and um, I was like, oh, okay, awesome. So, like. How's that going for you? Like, how's it? <laughs> so you were, and for y'all, for those of y'all that don't really know Haley, she's not really impressed with titles, and I love that about her. Like, like don't take yourself so serious. But I just, and I know we'll talk about this. You know, I got to meet the mayor of Gardendale. He was the one that really sealed the deal for me mm-hmm. bringing cars here. But you were just like. Great. I'm the mayor, you know. Yeah, and and truly. I'm a VIP, a very important person. You got to remember, too, that, you know, even as I'm talking, this becoming more clear to me, that, I mean, no one's, or at least I wasn't paying attention to any of that kind of stuff, like growing up in high school or in college. Mm -hmm. And I have really became an adult. 
I believe, in Europe. Yeah. And, you know, where you grow up, you get a job, you pay your bills, you, like, start realizing things. And um, and their, like, structure of, like, cities, states, towns, and, like, leadership mm-hmm. is totally different. Like, this doesn't—it's not the same. Like, they don't have mayor. What's mayor. the difference? What do they have? How do they run um, the city? Well— well, I mean, I'm, I don't know, honestly, putting me on the spot, but I never remember there being like a, it's just, it's not the same culture, I guess, where people get together and you have the mayor and you do these. Well, time out now. It's not even the same government. Like Sweden does not have, we're a democratic republic. We're yeah, a they have a prime minister and a king and queen. Yeah, but Sweden is socialism. It's a socialist country. Well, they wouldn't say that, but. Well, no, but just as defined how you govern yourself. Right, yeah. I mean, it's definitely more socialistic for sure. Yeah. But anyway, so I just wasn't like the the point of that is you weren't super impressed. Like the whole structure of things, like you know, the mayor. I really didn't know what the mayor did. I mean, what (laughs) what do you do? Like you know, I don't know the answer to that question. That's like what what do you as a mayor do? Like you drive into work, and then what do you do? You know, so that's funny. (laughs) um, So I mean, it was a very genuine. Like, what does that job look like? You know. Um, was he amused by you or was he offended? I, I think he was just surprised. Like, who is she? Like, kind of. <laughs> but he's never girl? forgotten me. <laughs> yeah. After that. No, he hadn't. Um, I he think it was just confusing, you. you know, uh, and just, you know, not really expected, I guess. Well, real quick, he's not the mayor here anymore. He's moved higher up in government. He's in county government now. But our current mayor, Stan Hoagland, is someone that I love, but tell about the first time you met him when he was not mayor, when he didn't have a big time. Okay. So yeah, Stan Hoagland, who is the current mayor of our city, Gardner, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Before that he was, and I hope I'm getting this right, the parks and rec manager or guy of our city. Yeah. He ran the parks and rec. Right. So when I, one of the things that I did is I did this social at my dad's office to like bring other people in so they could see the office, meet my dad, you know, and so he came to this social, mm-hmm. and um, it was like an after work something, you know, four to six or whatever. You know, I've told you, and we've talked about how hard it was to kind of integrate into a small town that everyone's been around forever, but nobody knows you. Were you doing food, like chicken wings or something? Yeah, it was like some kind of like to get people there. hors d'oeuvres or drinks or something, yeah. Yeah. And uh, But anyway, I remember this very distinctly because— that was the very first time that I felt like someone really took interest in me and in my dad and like, what gosh, who are you guys? Why are you here? We're so, I want to hear the story of like, like, who are you basically? I want to know and was interested. Yeah. And that was Stan Hoagland. And he opened and up to you. he is the first person that asked questions and that mm-hmm. really was like, I want to sit down and hear more about how you guys got here, get to know you guys. And it was so genuine and yeah. it was so, and that was, I can honestly say from a business, I guess, person at that time, I guess I was a business person. My dad was yeah. uh, perspective and even on a personal level that I felt that kind of genuine, like want to acceptance acceptance yeah. is a good word but it it definitely left a mark on me and i forever like feel like it speaks to his character and you've never and, forgotten it and i've never forgotten it and i but just let really me, appreciate it let me it. play that from this side like i'm not from Garndale, but i'm from alabama mm-hmm. so a state farm agent is moving in he's got an agency so what we got there's one of those on every exit like what's right. the big deal but you're, for your dad, 
his agency was more than that. It wasn't just about I'm selling insurance, I'm going to make a bunch of money. Or I'm going to help people protect their house if a tornado comes through. Right? Yeah. I mean, my dad was very passionate about, this sounds funny, and it is funny, but yeah. insurance, you know. Helping people. Like, he would say, you know, it doesn't, and I, you know, I've said this many times, but he taught me, like, it doesn't matter who inter- who insures you until it does. Yeah. Because it does seem like a necessary evil, but at the same time, it could be the thing that... Makes or breaks you. That makes or breaks you. So, I mean, his story... So, But his story, he had a deeper why behind what he did. Mm-hmm. He... When he was 16 years old, his dad died, and then his mom died, and that was in, what, like the 60s? And that was when people were, you bought everything on credit, you know. Yeah. You didn't. They had no insurance, and they basically came and repossessed their whole life. Like, mm-hmm. he, he watched them come take the house, or take the cars, then take the appliances, take the furniture, and then take the house, and they're... Basically, him and his sisters were orphans after that. And he re- and I he he said that during that time period, he remembers having the distinct thought, yeah, of this will never happen to me yeah. again. But he, that became when he went to Florida State, and your mom told me, you know, I've only had one conversation with your dad, but he was passionate about making sure that people that they didn't understand the need. Right. And that was really what drove his business and how he got in that business. And it wasn't easy for him at first, but he that was his... He had something deeper behind just what he was doing. He wasn't just selling insurance. No, he was he, helping people protect their lives and their livelihood. And and he believed that with all of his heart. He and did. He, and he was, showed. He was, it, was, it was a conviction of his, really. Yeah. And, I mean, to even further to know that it wasn't just talk like a lot of insurance people have the impression, you know, like they're sleazy car salesmen or something. And there are a lot of those. Yeah, (laughs) there is. But he really believed what he was saying to be true and that it mattered Mm -hmm. and that you needed to care about it because there might come a day that it changes the entire trajectory of your life. Yeah. And he would say, in terms of my mom and life insurance, and this is true, he said, every financial decision I make— you know, and this, he's perfectly healthy. Like, but he said, every yeah. decision I make is with the assumption that your mom is going to live twenty years longer than me, and that I don't want her to skip a beat from the lifestyle that we've established and yeah. how she lives. I want her to not have to worry about money for a day of her life should something happen to me. He want to make sure she's taken care of. And I tell you that those decisions that he made leading up to that, he passed away very unexpectedly in two thousand twelve is that he did. Yeah. Every decision he did make ensured that, and it did ensure that for my mom. And, I mean, he would say, and this was true for him, that it was like life insurance in that way and, and what you're protecting and who you're providing for is like the final love letter to love the that. person. That's and beautiful. he wrote my mom a great love letter. <laughs> <laughs> but not just that. There was a story because the the really bad tornadoes that came through Gardendale, Fultondale, Birmingham, Pratt City in 2011. Right. The path of the tornado when it went through Fultondale, and I actually wrote about that and I saw that right after it happened. Mm-hmm. There was a motel there that got leveled. Yeah. And your dad sold him a policy two weeks prior. Yes. The guy didn't have insurance. Yes. And your dad just argued, crazy. like, why would you not want to insure your livelihood? Right. What do you think that guy thinks about your dad? Right. right? No, he said, he said he <laughs> saved his life. Like, it's crazy. He, 
He said, I really don't know what would have happened to me and my family if I hadn't been protected in that. So, so um, all so, in all, you worked for your dad. You you came to love it. Yes, Your I brother started. came. So basically, you started working for your dad. You loved it. Y'all developed like a professional relationship. Then right. your brother came. He started mm-hmm. working for your dad. Then your sister's husband. So y'all were one family. Yeah. State Farm Agency in Gardendale, Alabama, rocking and rolling, doing the thing. And... I just love that part of the story. Well, it's crazy. Within one year, like we were living in different countries, different states. <laughs> and then a year later, we're all in the same state working for my dad. I mean, his ultimate dream comes yeah, through, right? It's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> yeah. But the the um but the beauty of that though is that what we didn't know in the time and all the things I talked about, how hard it was, like the transition for all the reasons. But like I said, when my dad did go to heaven very unexpectedly in 2012, that little did I know that the decision to move here would bring me the last um, year and a half with my dad here on earth. And I always say, like, that's the biggest, I think, gift I've ever received, like, just being able to reestablish a, a connection in our relationship as adults and work with him. And like in that process, you know, we were able to kind of resolve some things of my childhood. I mean, some heavy stuff, some normal stuff, but really just like, I can honestly say that when my dad went to heaven, which was, we didn't know it was coming that, um, that nothing was left unsaid mm-hmm. and that it was just, um, it was just a beautiful time even though it was it was hard in the moment like looking back like zooming out I realized like I was living in just one of the greatest gifts of my life so I mean it's just neat to see how um how that all works out and I always I mean I challenge myself on the on this on a regular basis and others too just like you know, you may be in a season that seems really hard and seems like, gosh, this just seems like nothing is like working yeah. out. But like fast forward or zoom out or like years pass by, like what gift are you in the middle of that you can't see? That you when don't you're even in know. It? Yeah. And, um, That's beautiful. And I was experiencing and living in a gift that was, you know, one of the greatest of all times, but didn't know it. Anyway, it was just a really sweet, fun, um, rich time in my life before. So, well, not to end on a heavy, but our time is, you know, coming to a close on this one. Um, maybe the next episode, you maybe we'll unpack that in the next episode. That, yeah. And at the same time, I was going through a similar situation with my grandmother, you know, yeah. and my granny. She was my person. Mm-hmm. Um, she passed away in March. Your dad passed away in June of 2012. So, before we got together, we both experienced some heavy, heavy loss. Yeah. Like, really, almost like identity-changing loss. Like, I mean, truly, because, I mean, my grandmother passed away in March as well. Yeah. Three well, months before my dad, but... My granny was more than my grandmother. Right, yeah. She was my... And I don't think I fully realized it until she took her last breath what she meant to me. Yeah. And, you know, she was my... Person, she's my person. Mm-hmm. All right, well, guys, well, thanks so much for tuning in. This Ooh, is uh, this is heavy. Okay, <laughs> this, this is good though. I mean, yes, if your story is going to be about part of my story, we got to give them, we got to pull these things together. It's revving up. All right, well, we'll see where we go from here. Uh, All right. So far, it seems like nothing has went the way we planned. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Who would have thought we'd be 
four seasons in. Yeah. It's crazy. But thanks so much for supporting us. Thanks for listening. And uh, we love you guys. All right. See you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you like what you've heard, you can subscribe to all of our podcasts. Download the Patreon app. You can get all of our content early and ad-free. Straight out of prison, the for real real, and narrowing the gap. There's a specialized feed there for all subscribers. You'll get downloads, updates, exclusive contents, live Q&As, and more. Or head over to teamjones.co slash podcast and click on the Become a Patron button. And I'll also put that in the show notes. Other ways you can support us is to like and share, leave a rating and review, and support our sponsors. They help us provide this platform for free. Listen on Apple, Google, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. And thank you again for being a part of our story. Oh, I love that. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email me, Haley, Haley at teamjones.co. It's not .com. The best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast. Other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review. Well, as long as you think we did good. (laughs) Or you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and more. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of home and commercial services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. Like, you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to, obviously, his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system if 
it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal, especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at hollandhcs.com. You can look up Holland Home and Commercial Services on Instagram for daily tips and more. Or you can check out their website, hollandhcs.com. We have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast, Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS. T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Head over to chefjameskjones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. 